0: Hey everybody! Sugar Queenie Love, and I want to welcome you all to an already in progress "Hey Sis, Hey," which is our Monday night series where I've been talking to amazing women um, all over, um, just from you know various topics from entrepreneurship to um, how they you know navigate life after being stalked to um, dating, you know, and various topics, uh, various personalities, various background, but hella informative and really, really, really good, strong conversations. Um, tonight is no different. We are talking to Miss Nia Wright, who is an educator and advocate, who has um experienced um about with um stalking and she shares her story and she shares her story um after the stalking incident. And it is so powerful, so informative. And I believe that um, so many of us, um, you know, will think about uh, what it is like going through the criminal justice system, um, trying to um, advocate for yourself, getting the information, sharing the information, um, being aware of even people in our circle and the power that they possess um, because they know us and have access to us. So please enjoy the conversation. It um, is going on uh, with myself, Queenie Love, and my guest co-host for the next six weeks, uh, Miss Monica Wiley, and our special guest, Miss Nia Wright. Let's get into it. Welcome to another Hey Sis. Hey, you all right? Monday night, of course, myself, Queenie Love and my wonderful guest co-host, Miss Monica M. Wiley. That's <laughs> right. Oh, that's right. I think you know. Miss <laughs> Mo, if you're nasty. So, <laughs> <laughs> so tonight we will be talking to um a young lady that I've had the privilege of knowing for um several years. And um, she's matured into a grown woman doing amazing things educator so on and so forth and um, she's going to be coming to us kind of telling us and sharing um, her 2021 experience and um, I think we all can can learn something from it so I want to take a moment just to read a little bit about I haven't read this bio she just sent it, guys so bear with me but I am going to read just a little bit to give you an introduction to who she is okay. All right. So, Miss Nia Wright has put ten plus years of service into the educational field. Her contribution includes, but are not limited to, self-contained pre-K teacher, fourth grade teacher, of, wait, 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 fourth grade teacher, um, of which is and was within North Carolina public schools. I think I probably missed a line. Uh, <laughs> outside of the public school realm, she has her own tutoring business podcast and blog who focus on let's get it going focus on empowering empowering not only uh students with melanin uh uh-huh but also the teachers parents and other adults that work with our melanated scholars I love the fact that she threw that in there okay all right so let's jump down a little bit outside of the educational field itself Miss Wright diligently serves her community and state by serving as the second VP of the Charlotte section of the National Council of Negro Women, as well, <laughs> as, well as being in her second term as third VP for the North Carolina Coalition of the National Council of Negro Women. Miss Wright's dedication to the success of our scholars and the communities rise to have and will the power to create spaces for our scholars to thrive uh, will be her legacy. Now, just so y'all know, I can't read. The problem is that it's so tiny and every time I stretch it, it, it falls back down. So without further ado, let me just introduce Miss Nia Wright to the Relationship Zone, the podcast. Let's pull her in. I'm excited. Be lovely. <laughs> Beautiful picture. I know. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. I hope our audio is good. Hey, Miss Wright. Hey. <laughs> so good to see you.
1: It's great to see you. It's been All forever.
0: Right. I know. It has been a very long time. I just shared. I was like, she's like grown, 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 like a grown, 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 grown. <laughs> yes. She's a woman, woman, woman now all right yes. we, can, we can talk woman now <laughs> <laughs> we can yes, we can, we can talk can. woman now so yes. what's the love, baby how are you doing these days
1: i am doing great um 2022 is starting off with a bang it's been pretty awesome and it seems to be getting more awesome each day so i'm good i'm good
0: Wonderful. Well, listen, let me introduce you really quick. Um, I know you go by Nia Wright. You have Kiana here on the screen. So, Miss Monica is my guest co host. I want to introduce you to her. She has been hearing all about you for the last week or so. So, I want to make sure that you get an opportunity to um, at least allow her to actually tell you a little bit about who she is as well. She is co-hosting with me. Um, She's planning to launch her own podcast here soon. So this is kind of her internship. (laughs) She's pretty dope. So uh, Miss Monica, would you like to introduce yourself to Miss, I call her Kiki. I'm sorry. And I know I'm going to do that. I know I am. I'm going to do my best not to, but (laughs) (laughs) Miss Monica.
2: (laughs) Well, good evening, Mia. It's Mia, correct? Or Mia's fine? Perfect. Okay. So it's such a pleasure to meet you. I've heard so much about you. I am definitely looking forward to having a discussion about this subject. I know it is a very sensitive subject, but I really do feel that a lot of women need to be aware of situations that happen like this. Uh, I know that there are a lot of women that are silent about these types of situations and don't bring we- awareness or enough awareness. For one reason or another, sometimes it has a tendency to deal with feeling guilty in some sort of fashion or feeling embarrassed. And we should never feel embarrassed about any of our experiences because our experiences is part of what makes us. It's a part of our makeup. It's a part of the growth. It's a part of the journey. And so I am definitely looking forward to what you'll be sharing, your experience, some gems and knowledge from this and how we as women, how we can collectively support one another within these different experiences that comes from unfortunate, delicate situations such as this particular subject that we're getting ready to discuss. I'm supposed to be introducing myself, so let me go ahead and introduce myself. I am Monica Wiley, and I like what what Queenie said about me uh, having an internship. This is an internship, and so hopefully I'm doing well with this internship, but I am very excited to be co-hosting with Queenie. I've known her for, what, almost a decade now, Queenie? Or close to a decade? It's been
0: a while, yeah.
2: (laughs) it does fly and so we connected in a program that we met we have a mutual friend and we've been close ever since and so whatever Queenie needs Monica is there hands down no answer if a bus there's no discussion there's nothing to be said if I get a text from her or a phone call a certain time of the night it's I'm grabbing the cane and I'm out the door and so you heard me say cane Because I do have a spinal cord injury, I walk with a cane, but don't get it twisted now, because I do a sister wear heels, okay? So I I walk with a cane, but I walk with a cane with my heels on. I'm one of the flyest divas on a cane. I'm just going to go ahead and put that out there. (laughs) True. But unfortunately, I did um, experience that tragedy at the age of nine, and it killed my entire family. And as a result, I have taken a lot of my advocacy and disability awareness in politics, so I'm in the political sector and so I consider myself a pit bull in the skirt when it comes to advancing the rights of people with disabilities. And so if someone sees me, especially in the Virginia Democratic Party, if they see me coming, it's because they know they have messed up or they haven't included my community. And so that means that it's, it's time for us to have a conversation so that we can uh, definitely work on that. So that's pretty much the gist of me, me. And so again, I'm looking forward to this conversation, this discussion. I'm gonna kick it back over to Queenie.
0: All right, perfect. Thank you so much, Monica. I love to um, make sure that people know who she is and her passion. And we're talking from one advocate to another advocate to another advocate. So here we are tonight, three advocates in our own space. Um, holding space, um, for causes that we believe in and we believe are important. And so Kiki, Kiana, Nia, I don't even know at this point. <laughs> it's fine. I'm all of them.
1: It's the Gemini I in me. And <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> it it's so funny since I, I, it's just difficult, you know, I'm like I still call you that no matter what. Right. But, um, respectfully you have grown into become an amazing woman doing amazing things I expect no less because you came from great stock shout out to your mom and grandma um, yes. okay so i want to make sure I give honor to them um, but you know last year I saw something uh, come across your Instagram and this is why we're here on hey sis hey you are right. I uh, love checking in with our women to see how things are going and also to talk to them about what's happening in their life Mm
2: -hmm. and the
0: thing that has them moving. And I noticed what happened to you last year. I I saw it wake up something inside of you. And I want us to get into that tonight. Um, Definitely like Monica said, it's a sensitive topic, but we're all Mm -hmm. ladies and we're all at risk of something happening and, um, you have been sharing your story in detail throughout, um, on Instagram. And I think now you've moved that into a different space and different platform. And so you're sharing it more and more and more. So here you are, Grace in the Relationships on the podcast. And I appreciate that. And, and Kiki, I want us to get into this thing. Um, what happened? <laughs> what brought, what, like, when I say what happened, there's so many questions, so many things I want to know. But let me take it from this angle. You became this advocate um, speaking specifically about this particular topic and this experience. Can you take us to that time and space of how this all came to be?
1: So um, everything kind of transpired like in January of 2021, which is so weird because like we're now we're in a whole nother year since this happened or whatever. So it's been a year um, since the beginning. Um, But um, like like your co-host was saying you know she's an advocate for um people with disabilities that's what i do every day all day that is my job that is my nine to five it's really not a nine to five but i'm a teacher and i work with students with disabilities currently students with hearing um hearing impairments and so i'm an advocate from the time i get up to the time i go to sleep and so then it was like something was happening to me and it was just like i'm very private I'm very to myself. I move in silence. My resume is the only thing that really speaks for me. I, you know, I don't do too much speaking for myself, but this was happening and it was starting to affect like my day to day. Like I drive to all the different schools to see my kids. Now I'm like, okay, I can't go this way. I can't go that way. I got to go a different way this way. I got to do this. And it was really affecting everything that I was doing. And I was just like, all right, we're not, we not about to do this. We, I'm not about to do this. I'm a military brat. I've never once feared worried about now should I have been a little bit more cautious sure but as a military brat like safety hasn't just it just hasn't been a concern for me and so it became a concern and I was just like I'm not about to let this person steal my joy steal my peace am I going to move differently sure because I should be cautious but am I going to um, allow them to have the power and the joy absolutely not and then going through the system that isn't built for us, not knowing, like, the last time I went to court, it was a couple years ago when I got adopted, like, you know, and that was just to sign some papers, like, so trying to figure out this whole system and going through it and seeing other women of color and they're not knowing what to do either, and it was just like, all right, we we got to shed some light on this, because this is not just happening to me, my story may be a tad different than the girl over here, the sister over here, whatever, it might be a tad different, but we all don't know what to do when we get in a situation. And it's not that the people in the office aren't trying to be helpful. It's just, this is what they do from nine nine to five every day for however long they've been there. So this is just something to them that's just normal. You fill out the paper, this is what you do. For me, it's like, nah, I haven't been here, man. I I don't know what you, I'm not sure what you wanted me to do. So it just became more of an eye-opening experience to let people ride along with me. And, you know, the journey is still not over. So, you know, I have been switching off I've had other things. I've been going to school and some, you know, whatever. But still allowing people to be a part of that journey with me.
0: Well, listen. I want to go back just a little bit because I was. We were just talking earlier about my experience in the in the woods over the weekend, hiking solo, and meet a ranger. And he was like, "Oh, you seem to be such a happy hiker and a solo hiker at that, you know." And next thing you know, he wanted to take a picture. and Yeah, you know, all these other things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he was helping me because obviously I was trying to do a selfie and I, yeah, um, but my point is this is a stranger and I don't know what that could have turned into. Right. Mm -hmm. So with your situation, was this someone you knew? Was it a date? Was it
2: who was right? So what was it?
1: I have a very, and I tell people, and it's not to make, and I, I'm only saying this to preface that I, not to make light of the situation at all or anybody else's situation, but I have a very dry and dark sense of humor. So things are funny when they shouldn't be, and that's just how I've always been. But so this, is, this was the person that I lost my virginity to. I've known him for God knows how many years, which is also hilarious because I am an adult now, so like it's kind of weird. Um, but like I've known him since I was fifteen or sixteen. Like, did have I talked to him in years? Absolutely not. When I went to college in two thousand six, I'm pretty sure if I hadn't stopped talking to him, I had stopped talking to him then. So it's not somebody that I had talked to recently or even checked in. Yes, we're Facebook friends, but at this point, who am I not Facebook friends with that I went to school with and stuff like that? We met at church, um, the family home church in Gum Springs, And um, yeah, so it, it, it was somebody that I knew, not, you know, currently, but
0: it is somebody. it was somebody that I knew. It was someone that you knew. So with that being said, um, was there a flag when, I, I, I'm assuming that you now have, um, well, you had placed like a stalking or protective order or something mm-hmm. like that, right? And that yeah. protective order based on the stalking situation. How did you find out that you were, I'll use this term because it's true. How did you find that you were in danger?
1: So um, it wasn't until like this past October. So like I said, things started happening in January 2021. He had started texting, sending Bible scriptures. And um, I'm very heavily in, in church. And I was just like, you know, I have the Bible app. I, I go to church a couple times a week for church purposes and other purposes. I'm good, but I, I appreciate that, but I'm good. You know, and that was kind of my response. And then they kept coming and I was like, no, seriously, like I'm good. It wasn't like a, Hey, how are you? How are you doing? It was just like scripture. And I was like, I'm, I'm good, but I'm glad that you found the Lord or whatever you're doing, but I'm good on the scripture. And, um, he kind of disappeared for a little bit. And then he started posting things on Facebook and tagging me. So I have my, I've had it this way for a long time where if you tag me in something, I have to approve it before it goes on my page. And thank God for that, that, (laughs) that feature before um, but he was making videos going around his house, how he had set up his house and bought things, preparing for me to come home because I was his wife and I needed to come home. And so he was tagging me in it. But like, I don't go and always check those things. But like like I said, we went to church together. It's a family church. People are still connected. I started getting random texts. And I was like, hey, like, I know y'all like dated like when we were younger. But like, are you talking to him? I was like, no, why? So they started sending me the videos and they were very alarming like you literally have remembered things from when I was 15 and bought these things for your house. Like, remember at the time I was growing my lock. So like, he was like, you have curly hair. And so I bought curly shampoo for you and you like Caesar salad. So I bought Caesar salad. And like, I don't know what kind of toilet paper you like. So I bought a couple, I don't know what kind of toothbrush. So I bought a couple, but I'm preparing for you to come home because you're my wife. He was, I've had the same number since I was, got a cell phone and my mom has had the same number and he was texting us telling you know that i was supposed to be his wife she was supposed to be his mother-in-law all this kind of stuff started i filed the first uh, restraining order or process to get a restraining order like in march or february and not knowing the process things kind of went away but he also got he got he got silent until um i want to say it was like october october 13th i was getting ready for work and i got this random text message And it was sent to this group of people and somebody was like, hey, such and such, if this is you, then you need to stop playing. So it was like, oh, so he's harassing other people. Just I'm just the fascination is your way. Well, he had created an Instagram account and people were telling me that I need to look at it. Well, he had started crossing the state line. So he's in Virginia, near my parents. And he started crossing the state line and like in the middle of the night following like 18 wheelers with colors saying they were drug dealers. And I was like, all right, see, now we got a problem because you just wasn't staying in your state and staying up there. Like now you cross the lines in the middle and I'm a teacher. Like I don't work at once. Like it was just a lot that started processing. And then he was accusing my ex-husband that I haven't talked to since we divorced three years, three or four years ago, whatever that was of child abduction. And I was like, look, my ex-husband is a lot of things, honey, but that, that ain't one of them. He is not a child abductor. So now I have to, like, talk to my ex-husband. I haven't talked to you. wasn't planning on talking to you. But because of, you know, he's gotten remarried and that lady had a, a child before they got married, out of the respect of your wife and the child that's involved, this is what you need to know. So it's like, you got me talking to people I wasn't planning on talking to ever again. So... That's what sparked me going to court and really pushing for the restraining orders because now you're crossing, you crossing lines. You're crossing state lines. There's children involved. I, I don't have time for none of that.
0: Girl, I, you know, I told you when I first heard about this, I'm so sorry that you're going through this. And if there was anything I could do, you know, I would be there to do it. Um, I am so happy that you decided to take medicine to your own hands as far as taking an initiative to go say let me go to the police let me report this because so many people do not report it they make small of it sometimes they blow it off and I think they can handle it but you did that so now let's talk about that because I think that was an entire different experience wasn't quite what you expected if I recall so <laughs> can you Can you bring us up to to that? And and mind you, you live in, is it okay for you to share where you, in in the state? Okay. So you live in North Carolina. Um, So obviously the the laws are different. Experiences are different. Our color. (laughs) Yeah. The culture is different. (laughs) So tell me your experience whenever you decide to go to get this protective order and then move forward with what you're dealing with. So
1: I'll say this uh, to, before I get into that, you, you made a good point that um, I did report. So here's the thing. I'm not sure if I, like so I don't live alone at the moment and I didn't live alone at the moment when um, this was all happening. My friend was living here with her two kids um, with me as she transitioned from where she was coming from and all that good stuff or whatever. And I work for a school system. I'm around children all day. I go to like four to seven different schools a day. I'm not so sure if I wasn't like, like somebody just went into the office and it was just me that I would have said anything. Of course I would have told my mom, my mom knew he was texting her. So like, but I'm not sure that like how much further I would have pushed it if there wasn't children involved in the situation and other people that could have been, um, hurt or whatever involved in this. Um, so Things happen for the way that they happen and I'm glad that they did and I'm glad that everybody's safe but I'm glad that I was teaching and I am teaching and there was people in my house that I had to be concerned with that pushed me further to do this Um, but I I went to court um, you fill out basically you go in and you fill out a piece of paper it's not a piece of paper it's a packet but you fill out a packet and there's two times and again I don't every court system is a little different but there's two times a day here that they, um, that they look at those, some judge looks at them and says, yay or nay. Um, this time I stayed and learned that, um, if you get denied, which I did get denied, I think only one person out of like the five uh, BIPOC women that were there actually got theirs approved or whatever. And the rest of us got denied. Well, if you get denied, you get a court date. You can ask for a court date and you get to go talk in front of the judge. Um, whereas some other counties you actually get to take your, when you fill it out, you get to go talk then, um, but you get a court date and they, um, send the paperwork out. So the the person has to be served before you can really be heard in court. So that's what kind of took me so long was I kept going to court. I went to court maybe two or three times before the fourth time when I actually got to be heard because he hadn't been served yet. I ended up having to hire my own private person to get him served. Um, because what they do is they send it off to the local sheriff's office and then they try it. Now, how much trying they actually do is, you know, neither here nor there. <laughs> so I ended up hiring my own person, got them, got them served literally the, like a day or two before I was it's supposed to be back in court in December. Um, I didn't know, like, um, I'm in an organization here. I'm the National Council of Negro Women. I'm at the state level and the local level. And so a little bit of a connection, and a friend of mine works in a law office for something completely different. But she was like, hey, I went through this, something like this, this is who you need to contact. The the? is it the, It's like the National Prevention of um, Domestic Violence or something like that. Called them, they were like, hey, there's these organizations in your community, here's the numbers, talk to them. So I got connected to legal aid um, and they accepted my case for free. Um, and so I ended up getting a lawyer that that's all she does. Um, <laughs> Funny enough, she was in, in the end of her pregnancy, towards the end of her pregnancy. And so we were really pushing to get this done before she had to leave and transfer it over. Um, and so Legal Aid took it on. We got everything that we needed. We were just waiting for him to be served. And so once he was served, um, I was able to um, have my day in court. Which So going to court was just a whole bunch of different things from what people decide that they think they should wear to court to the stories that are told. Um, and you get to hear other people's um their domestic violence situations that are going on. Um, I think what really got me, though, was when I finally got my day in court, like, you know, you see the little, like, law and order that you sit, you raise your right hand, you say what you have. I don't know what I was expecting, but, like, I wasn't really expecting that. So, like, I had to, like, raise my right hand. It was almost lunch, so I didn't have to, like, go sit in the little, I call it pulpit of the courtroom. <laughs> but I didn't have to go sit up there because it was lunch, so everybody's trying to leave, so let me sit with my lawyer but like I got interrogated my lawyer asked me all these questions the judge asked a few questions um I think one of the most telling signs to me was there's two um I don't know if they're cops or sheriffs but the the two court cops I'll call them that they were in there and they were you know it's the end so they're kind of like not focused but focused because everybody's gone they're not having to worry about people doing whatever um and as I was telling my story and being asked these questions they both kind of like looked up from what they were doing and was like This like you could see in their face, like this sounds insane. Like after everything that's been heard today, like they this is the reaction they had to my story. Um, so yeah, it it was very um it was long. Um having to continue to talk about it, repeat it, um, and then having to go to all the different schools that I go to and like give them the paper and tell them what's going on and all this other kind of stuff. And finding out that, you know, you're not the only person that's in this building that has one of these for yeah. multiple reasons and the cops are there and you know they do what they need to do um but just having to like continuously tell it um was interesting and you know you forget some parts because it's not part of the story that you have to tell to, to make sure everybody else is aware and so sitting in that courtroom as my you know as my lawyer was asking me some of the questions I was like oh, I forgot about that oh I wasn't prepared emotionally to have this conversation today um so th- it was very interesting it was very it's a very interesting ride that I don't think people really understand or know unless you really have to go through it.
0: Sure, I, I have so so many questions. Of course, I will reserve them, <laughs> um, but I do have a lot because I had my own personal experience. And um, the it, it's when people don't know you, it's uncomfortable. When someone just kind of maybe keep coming around your door, lurking, you know, that's uncomfortable. I'm, but I was most uncomfortable with the person that knew me well, because that person was super unpredictable because they knew everything about me from gym time to what stores I shopped at, to the farmer's market that I frequented, to my friends, my friend's cars that, you know, where home was, where my second home, where my, you know, so I can only imagine, I didn't realize this person you knew for so long and they still was in touch with people, um, so it has to. That's even I believe would become even more unnerving. Um, anyway, it just it's just so many thoughts I have when I, when I'm listening to the story. I, I do have a question um, regarding the challenge that I would think you would have faced. You're in North Carolina. This person is where in Maryland or Virginia?
1: Fredericksburg, Virginia.
0: Okay, so they're in in. Virginia um, Was it difficult to serve Have him served even though he lived In Virginia did you have to deal with Virginia law and North Carolina law and how did that Play out yeah
1: so um, As far as getting him served um, Excuse me It's so you have to Rely on somebody else's system Um, Whereas if it was here You know they the court has a little bit more like push and say or whatever yeah. but basically you fill out this form the sheriff office here faxes it over to the sheriff office there and then they serve it so I felt like I was doing a lot of legwork um I called and you can check online to like see if he's been served if they've tried or whatever um and it just wasn't happening and I was like well, what is going on and so I called and um was checking some other things and they were saying at so he has other restraining orders um, from other people that he was harassing, um, along with um, the, the mother of his children are, I guess, battling for custody of his kids. And so he, he's got a lot going on. And so when they pulled it up, they were like, I can see a lot of things, I just don't see yours. I don't see yours. So I had to have it sent again. And then I waited a couple of days. They still said they couldn't see anything. And that's when me and my lawyer were just like, <clears throat> unfortunately, you're going to have to hire somebody. Let's look and see if we can find somebody. Um, but you just they don't the leverage that the courthouse could have here on the office to make sure it's getting done is not because it's it's out of state. It's out of county. It's its a whole different things. And then um, finding times like you really needed somebody to really sit there because um, he had got his car repossessed. So he was just, you know, mobile walking and didn't have to be home and was, you know, wherever and things like that. So it was a lot of different things. Um, finding that out. I was in contact with his sister. Um <clears throat> Which is weird because at the time when I was 15, I'm pretty sure she was six. So she's a whole grown adult now, like right. teaching. She was getting her master's. So, like, it was just like really weird. It was like, you were, you were, you were a baby. You're a whole adult. And so, like, going through that with her, because they were having, um, her mom was trying to, to get him, um, Uh, put in a mental hospital for some things or whatever and so like just going back and trying to have the information and then going between the other women that we all went to church with together that were filing restraining orders as well um and all of that so like just having those conversations and trying to navigate where he was what he had could he travel and then you know um just it was a i will say that that was um a good a good thing and a bad thing that he was harassing other people but a good thing that it wasn't like it's not just me it's not just me (laughs) y'all like there's other people i could talk to that are going through this with the same person at the same time and so you you feel some sort of um community connection or whatever but at the same time it was like but we still need this to stop so
0: yeah yeah yeah. okay yeah so you're right like you do build a community because as soon as you start talking about this you realize that others have been going through this oftentimes in silence but they've been going through it as well um and you can open up and you can share and you can be like i am freaking scared or i'm angry you know like you can actually talk to people that can truly relate to what you're going through I'll, i'm going to share a piece of a piece of my story and this is the reason why because when i first moved where i am currently i moved here at the time because it was a secured building semi-secure, you know, you got to have a little fob to get in and garage parking. And it it was because my, I don't want to say stalker, but the one I was with that was ridiculously abusive and manipulative and had me in fear. Um, whenever we split unpredictable behavior, I did not know. And I, I just was afraid. And, um, me being super strong queenie, um, it was difficult to get people to understand there was a true fear inside of me because this person although looked like a little wimp like he was going to do nothing that's that can be deceiving. People don't always look harmful <laughs> and they can be deadly, right? So so I get I get here and I move here out of fear. I mean, I was really nervous and um because when I was making my transition back from it, back from Savannah to here we were still in contact and every now and again, he would slip into that, that crazy making mode. Um, so I got to my garage and everything was great. I loved the apartment. I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, I feel fine. No, my kids were not going to be home. You know, they're grown. All y'all grew up. So, <laughs> so, so I'm like a first time living totally on my own, like alone. And I said, you know, I want to be on this floor. I don't want to be on the bottom floor and, I was fine until they gave me my parking space. And I still get a little, I don't know, I still feel this anxiety when I see it. And that's when I realized how bad off I was because they gave me my parking space. And, um, (coughs) excuse me, I go to park my car in the garage and the parking space was super close to the gate. And the timing of the gate going down would allow someone to come in and get to me and I, when I tell you, I be, this sense of nervousness came over. I went right back to the to the um, the uh, apartment complex, the leasing office, and I said, "Okay." And I was shaking. And I realized, and then before I was fine. In that moment, trying to explain to them, I really need my parking space moved. I needed to be closer to the elevator. I need to be further inside that's when I knew like, Ooh, there was some residual effects of the, the trauma from being stalked. Cause it really was, you know, he wasn't doing quite like what, what you're saying, but he was letting me know that he had the ability, ability to be wherever I was at. And, and because he showed up in parking lots and things like that before, and because he was retired military and because, you know, all those things. Right. I was like, um, I, I need to be someplace else. And I was, I just freaked out. And finally they, they, they moved me, moved me inner, you know, and they moved me to a different floor, my garage. I mean, they just, they adjusted everything for me. And I remember just sitting, trying to, I, I needed to heal from that. I was scared. Um, and you know, I went on, I had my protective order and things like that in place, but because you still don't know protective order is great. At least it's a tool but it's still- a piece of paper. That's all I'm saying. It's a tool because I want to make sure people know. It. <laughs> you, need it.
1: you need it. You need it. Please do. Please get it's it. It's the first it. step,
0: right? But always, I don't want to say, that. <laughs> look, I went straight to the range to figure out how to shoot a gun. Too, so I'm just saying it really is a first step. But I'm sharing that because this is, I can feel, I understand um, the trauma that's connected to not knowing where they are um, and trying to get help. And that experience in the garage was the, was what was the light bulb moment for me. And I was like, okay, you really are afraid. Like you got to make sure that you're okay. So I did, I, you know, I went and, and did a few things to make sure I was okay, just in case anything popped off. I was good. So, <laughs> so, so definitely if anyone's he- listening and hearing this, you know, um, this is the community. Once we've gone through this, it is the community. You know, we we can relate to, um, even if it's not necessarily experience. we can relate to what we feel internally because of the experience. Right. So uh, Monica, do you have a question? Because I want to move on to another couple questions with Nia on this subject. I don't have a couple of questions.
2: I will say that both of you beautiful ladies have went through an experience that I cannot connect with, but my community connects with it because believe it or not, there are several people with disabilities that are stalked, but not for the right reasons. They are stalked because the individual wants to take advantage of them because they feel like they can take advantage of them based on their disability. And uh, as you are aware there are variations of people with disabilities. For instance, mine is a spinal cord where I don't use a wheelchair or a, a walker. I walk with a cane. But someone, if they if they felt like they would try to want to want to harm me or take advantage of me, they will look and see, you know, the way that I walk and, and me walking with my cane, that they may try to use that as a means to uh, try to scare me like a scare tactic or try to take advantage little do they know <laughs> they don't know Monica because <laughs> I am the last one of the wrong one they were going to do that too but my point is is that it is very unfortunate that these individuals just take advantage of women and I'm sure there are men that have been stalked by women too so I don't mm. want to dismiss any men because I'm sure there are some men that have been stalked by women But majority of the time when I'm hearing these types of unfortunate situations and experiences, it is typically us as women being stalked, being attacked, being used for whatever reasons because the the other person has some underlying issues and unresolved issues or unfortunately sometimes even some mental health that they didn't receive the help for or they were in denial about or what have you. Uh, So I, I say all that to say that um, I just really appreciate this conversation. I thank you both for sharing your story, your experiences, and um, it's just very unfortunate for women. It's very unfortunate for anyone that goes through this, and it definitely um, takes place a <coughs> lot across the disability community. So I just wanted to highlight that and also say thank you very much to both of you. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely, Monica. So, so, so um, Nia, let's jump back into it. <laughs>
2: You just
1: trying to struggle with what name Uh, to say? It's fine. Look, when I went to college, it was the first time I had ever been like really called by Kiana, my real name or whatever. And I was just like, I don't know who that is. I've been Kiki all my life. And then um, as I've gotten more into advocacy and my organizations and things of that nature and pursuing my doctorate, like we've really been talking about branding and things of that nature. Like I I mentioned before, I had got adopted. And so I kind of just like tweaked my name a little bit and went that way.
0: Yeah. I'm trying my best.
1: I am. <laughs> You're fine. I still answer to it, so it's
0: okay. I know. I'm trying my best, girl. I am. See, see the backstories, I've known her since she was... Really, she was a... a I want to say little girl. She was always doing something amazing in school. But she was... like You were in middle school? Middle school or right before
1: middle school, oh, yeah. Right
0: before middle school. So, that's how long I've been knowing this young lady. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, that's why it's so difficult She's always kiki to me, so it's so difficult. But I promise you, out of respect, honey, for what you got going on, I'm gonna get this thing right, okay? Because I know Miss Nia, right, Kiona Rolla, I know her, all them, all them ladies, I know all of them, them. all of them. (laughs) So, so bear with me. Um, All right, so now you you you've gotten the protective order. He's on the radar. Everyone knows more people are coming to this to the to the surface saying hey wait he's doing this to me too or he's done this to me too what happened after that because you began to share your highs and lows on Instagram as it related to what was going on so can you tell me what what has happened or what began to happen as you as because now we're talking 2021 late part of 2021 correct? That's not that long ago. So where are we at now? What has happened? What has transpired over the last couple months? So
1: I think my official restraining order was December first or December second um, when it was signed. So that went, but you know, a hop skip away. Um, and then just because it's signed, you know, it doesn't technically go into effect the day that it's signed. It, it's signed, but the person still has to be notified. So like you got to give like a week or so for it to be, you know, for him to be notified or. The thought that he could have been notified within this time or whatever um, <clears throat> since then um, I've gone home so I was very determined that um, I go home for the holidays to visit my parents I'm a teacher we get a couple weeks off I spend the majority of it with them um, and I was determined that I was like really considering I had, I had bought my ticket it had been bought for months and I, that, that I was going home I planned to spend New Year's Eve with my best friend since a middle school with her she's going through some things so I was going to spend it with her and but I was like, look, I'm telling you all right now, if I don't have this piece of paper, I'm, I don't know when I'm going to see. y'all. I'm just going to be real honest. Like, I, I can't promise that I'm coming home. I'm going to keep my little self right here in my house where I am miles, miles away from him or whatever. And so I was determined to get it before I left, because as an as we spoke, you know, it is a piece of paper, but it is the first step. And as a teacher, documentation is everything like you. If you I've got this piece of paper. So if he steps out of line, you you have to do something like so. um it was very important for me to have that. Um, and I told my lawyer all the time, I said, I think sometimes in these situations, it's better not to know some things, but as an educator and being able to point out the, the mental health crisis that he was going through and some other things, it was like, I, I might know a little too much for my own good going through this personally. Um, but since then, so I did go home. I didn't go out as much. I did go visit my friend. Um, she's in Baltimore. I did go visit her um for a couple days and then I came back but I I normally am out um you know visiting friends having lunch dates so we're just roaming around for no reason just because I haven't been home in a while and things like that I stayed home I stayed home with my mom and my grandmother um didn't do too much I mean it was fine that I didn't but like the underlying reason was like this man is 30 minutes away from me like I'm I'm all right right here in the house. Um, And it was kind of weird because, like, I had found a whole bunch of different, like, foods, places, and things I wanted to visit that were actually in Fredericksburg. And I was like, yeah, no, that's not happening. I'm going to stay right here on my end of the world and be just happy and fine. So noticing those little things, but still, like, trying to push forward, like, still going to Baltimore and hanging out, those things. Um, I'm back home. Um, I have a couple of friends that... And I'll say this, I know some people might think it's weird that I, you know, I'm still protecting his identity um, to a sense, but at the same time, you know, it is a mental health crisis and he is a black male and there's those things. So although I'm protecting myself there is that still sense of like, I don't want any undue harm to this this man as he's navigating whatever he's navigating or not navigating, um, just because of how this is transpiring. But, you know, being home, being away, having a piece of paper, making sure everybody's aware, having backup plans and, you know, plans in place and um, navigating friendships post-paper. Um, you know, some friends aren't comfortable hanging out anymore in certain places or don't want to come over here. They'll meet me out or, you know, things like that. So navigating those type of spaces and then just keeping up with my personal mental health and continuing therapy and really digging into conversations that I may or may not want to have. Um um i have a uh i have a personal book coming out soon about my divorce and separation and things like that but because of all this there's some other things that'll be transpiring with you know books on who knows three-part four-part trilogy on you know the stalking just because i've known him for a long period of time you need the backstory to understand some of this so Um, there's different things that are coming out of it and um but I, I I want to make sure that the the piece is that I'm not silent so that others are aware that it happens this is what you do this is who you talk to these are the resources that are out there um like in the courtroom they had um two advocates from two different agencies one was more so for people that probably that had not probably that had children and needed to set up some type of visitation situation um and so there was a lady there to talk them through that and how do you do that or whatever and then there was another lady that was just strictly for um you don't know who to talk to Ida came by myself today I filled the paper out I'm this that lady's there for that um, so that was kind of cool to see that they had that in place and they gave everybody like the judge came in, introduced who they were, gave people time to do that and said, if I come to your name on the docket, I will skip it and we'll come back around once you come back in here. But please take the opportunity to go talk to these women or whatever. So that that was a really um, as an advocate, that was a really cool point. It was like, oh, wow, you guys actually have this in place. You're setting things up for people to succeed and be successful in these situations. So um, that was cool. So it's just it's just making sure that I'm doing what I need for me to be whole, but also making sure that I'm not keeping this testimony and this lesson to myself so that others are aware.
0: I love it. I love it, Kiki. Um, and it's so important. I, I worked in domestic violence and sexual violence assault and awareness for some time in the city of Alexandria, and I had the liberty of sitting in as a court advocate for some of the victims, and then I turned around and was a victim myself. So um, it's so important to have those people, processes in place, and that those that are standing in a position of advocacy actually do the work and show up for people because there's a lot of us whenever we go through this we really don't know where to get the help from we don't know the first step we're we're afraid and we're uncertain and oftentimes we doubt ourselves especially if you have you know your your situation is a little different but if you've been in a relationship for a while and that person has been abusing you you begin to doubt yourself when you get out of it and so you have to have someone that's on your side, someone that you can trust, someone that's there. So it's so good that you were able to see that person. And I've seen it probably since I left the hair business because of the field of work I wound up in. Um, and so I, you know, I love the fact that, that p- these people are in place to help individuals, you know, from your situation to the most extreme. Um, we just have to, we, others, the world has to know that it's there, Mm-hmm. It's there. You, you know, it is there. It's in place. From In many cities, many states, many areas, there are laws that are there, and they continue to, you know, they continue to revisit these laws, and they continue to try to find ways to help more and more and more. Um, the national hotlines are there. You know, there's there's people there, I think, that we just have to continue to remind folks that help is there. It's, it's, you just got to reach out. And our friends, our family, that whenever we see something going on, I think we have to also corral around that person a bit not to push just to let them know that there's help there and it's okay to get it you know And
1: so that's why I went on Instagram to kind of so I'm very much an introvert um extrovert when I have to be um and so you know, as people were finding out, I was starting to get text messages and calls. And like, let me tell you something. If it's not the doctor's office, and I have to reschedule phone calls or not the thing that I enjoy doing. Um, so it was becoming, I was enjoying knowing that a community was built around me um, because I am a very private person. To have, to feel it was, was amazing. But at the same time, it was like this a little overwhelming y'all. So that's why another reason why I really started posting to Instagram was to like be able to put it out there. Everybody can see it. You know, I wasn't having to tell Johnny, Sue, Bob, Carol, and then call and email such and such. It was just like, it is out there. It is there for you to see. You can check on me. You can see that I'm fine. Those type of things or whatever, um, without having to individually uh, respond and, you know, message people back. Because in times like these, this, when you are open, you, you realize how big your community is. Um, you're used to spending time with, you know, maybe five or six people and you realize you go through this and you're like, no, there's a community of hundreds out there, you know, rallying behind me. And it's just like, that is amazing. But I, I can't text all y'all back. I just, I can't. <laughs> Emotionally straining. I, I can't do that, y'all. Um, so um, it was another, that was one of the reasons why I did start doing, you know, the Facebook lives and saving them so people could go back and listen. And, you know, having friends from back in high school see them and like oh my god are you good what's up like no like what's really up and you know really asking questions and really wanting to know like no, i know how you are like what's really going on how are you doing those type of things so um that was the cool part about it you know you get to see unfortunate situation but you get to see your community rally behind you and stand there and hold you up so yeah yeah
0: yeah and, and and your mom did not get after him, right? Like she's she's still Oh out God, in let jail. me tell
1: you. Let she's me tell you not in you. jail. I
0: see her on Facebook, so I know she's good. But my mom
1: I- and dad my mom and dad are not in jail. No, they are still in their house. Um so both my parents are um military, um, and keeping them and knowing having his address and knowing where he resides and my parents are still not in jail is 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 a blessing okay um my um it's a very blessing and so I'll just speak to this um so the time that I got divorced uh, was in 2018 so I got divorced and then 2019 I got adopted um my mom and dad have been together don't I'm bad at numbers y'all but 14, 15 years I think this year might have been 15 this past year was 15 um, and so he adopted me and so I had a whole bunch of name changes that happened in a short period of time um, and so um, like I said they're both military, ex-military ready ready to go um, at any time um, and they they have not, they have remained in you know um, we've become a unit of what we're going to do and not going to do um, and the fact that they, you know, we don't live where we used to live because they lived there for a very long time. And so having that they're in a different spot and they moved a couple of times that you might know the area, but you don't know exactly where where someone is. Um, so that that plays a part. But them having and knowing <laughs> exactly where he is has been interesting um, to keep them keep them from doing anything. But yes.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I so glad to still see her on. Facebook, living her best life,
1: her best life. Yeah.
0: I know she, you know, (laughs) know she's good. Um, all right. So listen, there's so much that we could continue to talk about. We only have a good hour, 15 minutes. Um, I, you know, will continue to support you continue to support the journey that you're on. I am so looking forward to watching as this continues to grow and bloom into something that's going to save lives and with that being said, I want to make sure I give you a couple minutes just to share, you know, the future endeavors, the, what you have in the makings, um, what, and I know you shared a little bit about what's coming of this, but, you know, what's happening now with Miss Nia Wright?
1: So right now with Ms. Nia Wright, Ms. Nia Wright is still working. I think this is the year 11 or 12 of teaching. That is so crazy that I'm almost to the halfway mark of retirement. Like that sounds so weird, but I am there y'all. I am there. Um, um, I'm in the process of finishing my first full year of my doctoral program um, in urban education. So I am, I'm doing that. Um, With that, like I said, I have a, um, Before I hit the book part, um, I'm in uh, the National Council of Negro Women, the Charlotte section here, Um, but I serve on both the state um, council executive board, excuse me, um, as the third vice president, so over like collegiates in the state, and then uh, my local section as the um, second vice president here. Um, it is election year, so we'll see what happens. Um, but um, I do that. And so we serve the community. We're an organization of organizations. Um, so we're a whole bunch of affiliate organizations coming together to serve our community and, and do that. So that, that is what I do. Um, I love and I've been in that organization since I um, have come to the Charlotte area um, of North Carolina. Um, outside of that, um, I do have a book. Um, I officially have a book signing date. It'll be March thirteenth. I have a couple. I'm calling it my little mini book tour. Um, my mom got on me because I was like planning all this stuff, and she was like, "So you're just not going to come home and do one?" And I was like, "Oh right, you're right, you're right." I do have a whole another home you that I need come to. Home. <laughs> yes. So, um, haven't really haven't booked that one just yet because um, the dates here keep changing. But the first one, um, as of now, will be March thirteenth. Um, my book epiphany will come out and like i said it's about what i learned um about sex support and money from relationship divorce and separation all that good stuff and where i am with life and all that kind of stuff moving forward um but yeah so that's what's coming um like i said i do plan on eventually writing um something about the soccer situation and how that all worked out um I'm big on Black-owned businesses, so all of my events will be held at a Black-owned business. Um, my publisher is a Black-owned business, um, shout out to Blue Shades Publishing. Um, very small Black-owned company, um, two young guys doing it big, um, and by young, they're younger than me. Um, so two guys doing big. need um, their information.
0: I need their information.
1: Yes. So they're a small company. When I tell you they're a very hands-on company. Um, When I was looking, so I am not a self-publisher, Kiana needs, Nia, Kiana, Kiki, whoever, all three of me need somebody to give her deadlines and things to turn in with just everything that's going on. Um, And so they're very hands-on and they help you with that. Um, And outside of all that, I've got my own podcast that I need to bring back up. I've got a YouTube channel where I started to have these conversations with um, mental health specialists that, um, that are in my community. Um, and then, um, that's all under my, uh, my business, um, WWEM LLC, women who educate with melanin. Um, and so I have a little tutoring, I call it a little tutoring business, but it's a tutoring business that I do. So it's, it's, I tell people all the time, I don't tutor to supplement my income. I tutor to help the community. So I'm not here to break the bank, but I'm here to help your child, but also not, you know, go into a deficit either. So, um, we work things out, but. I'm all about the kids and, and the community and you know educating so that everybody's aware and has access to things. So
0: yeah, I love it. Now I have to ask: Are you still working with children that are hearing impaired?
1: I am. So this is my... I not
0: mean, politically correct. I know we we change our our terms all the time and all I'm the not... time.
2: Thank
0: you no. for and, and thank you for no saying offense. that. Okay. Yeah, thank, and, I... and
2: thank you for saying that. I'm sorry if I may, if no, I may chime in. It is not hearing impaired. It is deaf or
0: hard of hearing. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I always need an A.
1: It is deaf or hard of hearing. Now, my title at the school, like, if you look me up, it does says teacher of deaf um, or hearing impaired. So, like, there's things that still need to be changed. Um, I have done preschool, self-contained for the longest, preschool inclusion, and I went to school for the deaf and hard of hearing community, that's what I went to school for, deaf education. Um, and so I finally got into my career. You know, after ten years of doing preschool, um, I love preschool though. Um, that is, those are my babies that not a lot of people like. Four and five year olds, not the germs, the the just playfulness. I, I love, absolutely love it. Um, so I get to do a little bit of both. Um, My students, the majority of my students are at the preschool. So I get to, I have the best of both worlds right now and absolutely love it. Um, And I also get to combine that with what I'm doing in my doctoral program because everything's about research and papers and everything. And so you get to pick your own topics and make it just connect and work. And so all of it's intertwining right now but um I am I think this is school years and regular years are two different things and so things I think this is my third year um doing this in this field uh, third school year so maybe fourth regular year um but I love what I do and like I said I advocate every single day um for what for my kids and I, I think I've always been told that I advocate a little differently because I advocate for the, the parents. I'm always big on telling my parents, like, hey, you know about this, right? You know about that. You know you should be asking. This is what you should have said. This is what you could still say. You know, this is who you should email. I'm big on making sure my parents are aware of their rights that they have um, and um, who they need to talk to. It's not me, it's this person. They're going to tell me what I'm supposed to do, but this is the person you really need to talk to. So, um, just advocating for the child and the parents at the same time is is something that has always got me into a little trouble sometimes with my bosses. Not the current one, but they don't really like they, they don't always like um, you doing that. You know, they're used to a system or whatever. But those are that those aren't they're my kids from seven seven to four, or seven to three, whatever it is. These are kids all day long. It doesn't matter what time of day, who they with. These are their kids. They need these. They need to know what they what they have access to, what they have rights for and things like that. So, yeah.
0: yeah. You know what? Listen, I have never known any good advocate not to um, piss a few people off or make a few bosses upset. I never I, I, I haven't. I've done it. Um, I have staff that works for me and they advocate and i'll be like listen <laughs> and um and then on the back end i say listen i'm so glad that you go to bat for your client even if i have to tell you no i appreciate that you're in the game for your client um <clears throat> excuse me and the well-being of your client and everyone is connected to that client so keep on ticking them off and making them uncomfortable and informing the parents and. You know, taking care of these babies, somebody has to. It's not my calling. God knows it's not. (laughs) It's not. I love the babies, but it's not my calling. So I I commend teachers and especially teachers of color um, that are conscious and aware that we, that you, the information you hold is necessary for the success for that child and that family and ultimately the community. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Um, can you, before you go, can you tell us your, uh, where people can find you on Instagram? Can you say, it, tell them one more time when they can find you? Yes.
1: Yeah, so you can find me at WWEMLLC. My personal page is private and it's going to stay that way, but you can find, you can find everything else at WWEMLLC. Um, there's also a page on Facebook, um, under that as well. Um, and so that's where you can find me. I have a little Again, with me and these little things. I have a little yoga business that I'm growing as well on the side, but everything is all linked together. So the little link tree will take you to everything else, including my personal page. But like I said, that one's private. Um, but yeah, so it's all linked. I am there.
0: No email? Hold on, hold on. What are you talking about? This
2: little, yo- wait, bro, wait. <laughs> what are we talking about? That's the part I don't know. So,
1: was well, okay, the pandemic happened. And as yes. a teacher, I'm used to traveling to four or five different schools. And you just, you want me to just sit? And, you know, I can't see my students between certain times. And so, like, what you want me to do from 8 to 12? Like, what am I supposed to do with my little self? And so I was starting to get anxious and just being, I mean, like I said, I'm an introvert. But at some point, I do need to go out and expel some energy so I can come back home. Um, So I started doing yoga online and then just fell in love with it. And this thing kept popping up saying, take this class. And I was like, I'm not paying all that money for no yoga class that I may or may not use. And I kept saying, well, um, it needs to be trauma informed and they need to be social justice, you know, mm-hmm. heavy. And I so heard. this program kept popping up social justice. They were really heavy on that. And they were trauma informed. And I was like, all right, whatever. So then they came with the scholarship and I applied for the scholarship. And I said, okay, if I get the scholarship, I'll go. Well, I, I got the scholarship. And so I went and I got my certification this past summer. So it's been almost a whole year that I've been doing it. Um, so, yes, and I love it. I'm more of a deep stretch yin yoga relaxation type of yoga teacher, but I've been doing that. I got a couple clients and um, growing growing in building as I said 2022 is moving and grooving for me, and I'm enjoying the ride.
0: Definitely, all right, so I know this whole this this I know the journey is not over. It will continue. Um, I know that obviously there's some more things going to kind of unfold with this whole stalking. And, you know, I know you mentioned his mental health and, and of course we are again, sensitive to mental health crises and we definitely want um, him to get the help that he needs. We also wanna make sure that he understands that his behavior, there's there's repercussions to it. Um, there is reprimand, there are laws that he cannot be breaking. Um, and um, so I, want, I hope that it all, you know, works out on both sides. Um, definitely I'm glad that you are safer um and I know that it changes how you move and possibly relationships going forward (laughs) you know can you start thinking about things differently but of course you know I I wish you well on the journey and and we'll continue you know I'll continue to check in and and see what's happening how things are going on your side and um as always, Kiki, I wish you the best. And uh, I, I look forward to, to reading the book. Um, I think you said sex support. And, and what was the last thing?
1: It's epiphany, sex support and money, but it's the dollar signs. Yeah, so uh, soon here, it's going through the last part of editing or whatever. So um, soon you'll start seeing a whole bunch of posts and things coming out and you'll get to see the cover, which is amazing, um, and all that good stuff. So it's it's a new journey. Um, I knew I was going to be author as far as doctoral program and things like that. But personally, this this is a it's an amazing journey.
0: My goodness, I look forward to continuing to watch it. So please, I, I do want to get the um, publisher's information. I do want you know black owned. I want the information. I got you. Um, yes. Shoot that to me at some point. And you know what? You are welcome here anytime. Anytime, stop by, show the book book release, talk about it, let me read it. Then we're going to talk about it on the show. I love doing that. <laughs> So,
1: <laughs> yes, I got we can do that. I got you. We
0: can do that, definitely. So, you are welcome to stop by the relationship zone, the podcast, anytime. Um, and I love you, uh, so don't be a stranger. Um, and you're in Charlotte, I'm coming to Charlotte. My sister just moved there with my favorite niece. Sorry, no shade. If any of my other nieces are listening, y'all know how it is, but uh, <laughs> but my niece lives there. I probably I think I've said that to you before. I definitely want. When I come down, I gotta see you and I wanna make sure you meet them because they're just awesome people. Yes, and, um, yes. Yeah, so so you gotta continue to build your community and um and uh yeah, so I will definitely be in town um, March or April for sure. I'll let you
1: know. Well, there's a book signing there for both, so maybe you'll All be around right.
0: for one of those. <laughs> I yeah, when I heard you say March, I was like, oh, When can I make that? I gotta go to Florida March 17th, so I may not make that. So it may be April when I'm actually able to come to Charlotte so what's your date in April
1: um so I haven't solidified that one so that one's still that one's still in the the makings um but it's it's April It probably my spring break is like the 16th through the 23rd or something like that so somewhere in there um but yes and miss is miss Monica correct
2: yeah, that's right. Got that it correct. All right. I like you. That's correct. Yes, Miss Monica.
1: Okay, <laughs> now, ma'am, when you when when you, when you' ready to start having conversations and you get your podcast, I, I can talk advocacy for for uh, people with uh, disabilities and on the in spectrum of being the teacher and advocating. I, I can come and talk to you too,
2: honey. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to hold you to it. Hold I'm me to it. Hold you <laughs> to it. And I would actually like that information to uh, the black publishers because that is probably. A um a company that I may look into myself in terms of my story. So yes, I am always pushing them.
1: I am always pushing them. I and I tell him every time. I don't. And he knows about this, so I've been telling everybody. But it's Blue Shades Publishing. But I will send it to both of you so that you have the contact information. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Push him. And hey, before you go, girl, we're not gonna let you leave out of here without letting us know about that shirt. So so let's go on and plug. Yes.
1: Yes. Okay. So I literally. I have my own personal subscription and own personal T-shirt lady. I buy like something every week, almost. It's what it seems like, um, but it's custom Teas by T. She's on Facebook and she's on um, excuse me Instagram. I will send that to you guys as well. But um, I was looking for a teacher shirt that had some black women on it, teacher life, and I've been wearing. I've been posting every day something of me black oriented for Black History Month, and so I'm gonna find me a picture that I like today and post it for today. But yes custom tees by t um she made this it's a black owned company as well um and she's doing some cool things i know that um, her and her family they foster some kids um but she's doing some amazing things as well we used to go to church together in greensboro but that that is like my t-shirt lady i have more than i probably need in my closet but they are coming in handy okay
0: so i, I love it i love it We, but you know what i will say this and i'll let you go we women black women are doing the damn thing we are we are we are hey sis hey you all right (laughs) yes (laughs) all right um it's been a blessing it's been great thank you so much monica and i are gonna hang out here just for a few more minutes key anytime honey come on back and see us tell your mom grandma, and papa i said hello okay i will thank you love you thank you nice meeting
2: you nice meeting you as well it's been a pleasure
0: (laughs) bye oh my god that was so good Uh, it's it's, always good these stories are good these conversations are so good
2: and and what I took from uh what she was saying when she said she decided to go on social media and talk about her story that was also a form of and I I was going to say something but and I said oh I'll I'll wait that was a form of release therapy for her I know that she said she's seen a therapist but that was that's also a form of release therapy for her to be able to do that. So it was great to hear her say that because not only did she get the support mechanism that she needed from the people rallying behind her and even connecting with individuals that share that unfortunate thing, situation and circumstances, but it was also a form of being able to just say, I've gotten this out. I've gotten out aspects of what I went through. I can I can breathe. I, I can breathe a little bit now. So it was really therapy for her and it's not wrong sure. to getting into some good trouble. I'm all, I'm with John Lewis.